This is the Breaking Bad Advice podcast, the show that is dedicated to helping you stay rational in these irrational times. Here's where I remind you that the following thoughts and conversations are for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Please reach out to your financial professional at Plan Financial to discuss your unique situation and circumstances. This is now the United States of Zombieland. All right. Well, welcome, everybody, back to a special edition of Breaking Bad Advice. On today's episode, we're going to be talking all about the walking dead amongst us, and that is the zombie corporations that exist today. Uh, But before we get into that, uh, we'll go through a quick little market update. Uh, Since the last time uh, we all spoke, uh, the S&P 500 has done absolutely nothing for the most part. Uh, It's gone up and down in a very interesting, interesting way. Uh, But for the most part, uh, over the last three weeks, it's uh, um, flat. Moving on to the 10-year, Isaac, what kind of update do you have for us on the 10-year? Well, uh, you know, we've certainly seen a rise, especially over the last month and a half or so. But, you know, it's kind of picked up steam here. Uh, In the first couple weeks of October, we had an inflation report that showed, uh, purportedly showed showed that uh, inflation might be sticking around a little bit longer. Um, and so yields, uh, that means the interest rates on treasury bonds have responded to what they perceive to be a, a Fed that will likely have to hike their short-term interest rate even more than everybody was kind of hoping. Um, and so we've seen, for instance, the 10-year treasury bond has, um, the, the interest rate on that has gone up over half a percent uh, just in the last couple of weeks. So, which is kind of a that's a pretty significant move, um, as if we hadn't already had a, a very, very significant move here to date. Um, however, we just want to remind everybody that it's not just the, um, you know, it's not just the move in interest rates that's important. It's the shape of the yield curve as a whole, and so we continue to see strong, strong uh, inversion in the yield curve, which means that you know the long end rates continue to be lower than the short term rates, and that just uh, that continues to tell us that this. Uh, that this inflation, that this interest rate regime, inter- the rising interest rate regime is likely to be uh, short-lived. Right, so. right. And I, I think at some point, a lot of these um, investors are going to view these treasuries as a pretty, pretty good buy. Yep. Well, moving on to real estate, speaking of higher interest rates, that 30-year is uh, reportedly touching 7.3% these days, Ouch. which, you know, we thought the 30-year getting up to, you know, 4% was going to be a drag on um, home prices. What do you think 7.3 is going to do? So uh, looking across the board at a few different numbers that uh, have come out over the last couple of weeks from the National Association of Realtors, August month-over-month existing home sales were down 0.4% and down a whopping 19% year-over-year, obviously probably explained by the rise in interest rates. Uh, Inventory remained somewhat tight. Uh, August saw a decrease of 1.5% month-over-month. However, inventory is currently sitting at a 3.2-month supply compared to a 2.6-month supply in August of last year. So we have seen a slight rise in the inventory. However, um, you know, I think a lot of the people are viewing this as, hey, you know, I'm locked in at a two and a half, three, four percent interest rate right now. 
I don't necessarily want to sell my house and go get locked in on a higher interest rate. So that's going to be something very interesting to watch to see what that inventory number does over the next uh, six to 12 months. Absolutely. Well, if you just look at the average price of, of a home, right? Um, if interest rates go from 2.9 to 7, um, you know, for a lot of people, that means that whatever house they could afford at prior prices now is, you know, 20% or 15% lower. And so, yeah, right. certainly we would expect it to have a drag on prices. Right. Not a lot of incentive there. Yeah, exactly. And and it's important for people to remember, too, in real estate, that prices tend to move very, very slowly, right? So right. in the stock market, uh, you know, we can have 12% drops in two weeks like we had, you know, last month. Um, you know, you can have a 50% drop in a matter of months. Uh, in the real estate market, you know, people uh, maybe maybe have forgotten, but in 2007, 2008, you know, we had this uh, subprime mortgage crisis and a real estate bubble that burst, but it took six years for the, the market to drop 50%. So, right. Um, right. Yeah. And I mean, we do think we have seen a peak in these prices. Uh, looking back to June, where a lot of people kind of view that peak, uh, the average home price across the U.S. Uh, came in at about 420000 and the August price is actually down six percent now from that peak, down to three ninety six. Um, it's pretty clear that interest rates are driving um, those prices down, and it's you know you could really argue that even if we see interest rates you know the third year come down to four four and a half percent, there could be more room for these prices to come down. Yeah, absolutely, and it's kind of shocking to see that drop six percent in a matter of two months. Now, of course, statistical anomalies like this on a month to month basis. I mean. You know, we can't can't draw too much of a firm inference from it, but um, that's quite a drop in two months for the real estate market, for sure. Right, right. Well, moving on to the meat of this fun, exciting, deadly podcast, <laughs> zombie companies. <laughs> Nothing says happy Halloween like flesh-eating companies. <laughs> so what, what are these zombie companies? And to, to really illustrate what they are, um, you can look at them as... Companies that do not generate enough profit in order to pay for the interest on the debt that they have accumulated. Also saying it as they don't generate enough money, cash flow, to cover their, just their interest on their debt. Yeah, to give uh, maybe some people a, a very practical individual um, you know, example, it would be if you have a, a home where you're paying on a mortgage that's, you know, $500,000, $400,000. And, uh, you know, your interest payment is, um, $1,000 a month, something like that. Right. Which would be a, you know, equivalent of a 3% or 4% mortgage. Um, it would be like your, your entire income, uh, after you've paid expenses, necessary expenses, your free cash flow is unable to pay just the interest on your mortgage, let alone the, the Prin principal. Right. Right. Um, and that's what these these companies are dealing with. So. Right. Right. And it's obvious it's not just that factor um, for these companies. Uh, a lot of the definitions require them to um, have these negative growth numbers uh, for at least two to three years in a row. Um, so for the most part, many startup companies don't fall into this category. However, you could safely bet that maybe 60 to 80% of the startup companies eventually become zombie companies. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a good point to be, to be made. Um, you know, obviously a lot of startup companies don't generate positive cash flow for several years. And so you do, um, when you're looking at, at the percentage of a corporate environment, that's a zombie company, you would want to exclude startups 
that haven't been in business for more than two to three years because it's just kind of unfair uh, to, to them. Uh, however, as you said, that doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to be successful. A lot of startups fail. And, sure. um, but what we're really focusing on here is the, is these companies that have been in business for a long time and yet are literally just very, they're essentially dead. Right. Um, right. And, uh, and really that kind of, that leads into, so what, why are they referred to as zombie companies specifically? So Joel just gave us, um, uh, you know, you just gave kind of a, uh, an overview of what qualifies a company as a zombie company, but why do we refer to them as zombies? Well, um, for two reasons. One, they are essentially dead companies. So these are companies that, as we mentioned, for two to three years have not been able to cover the interest on their debt, let alone start to pay down the principal on their debt. That means that their profits have um, been much weaker than they expected them to be. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, usually these companies are loss leaders. They're, they're just not, they're not profitable at all. Right. Um, so that's the first one. Um, they may still be in business technically, um, but, uh, their financial statements indicate that it's just, it's just a matter of time probably before they shutter their doors. Um, right. It's, it's almost similar to, uh, any economy in the world where the debt eventually becomes a headwind. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, debt can, um, if you're, if it's a temporary drawback or a fluctuation in, in, you know, the profitability of a company, or maybe there's natural disaster in an economy and you have, you know, temporary difficulties, debt sometimes can be uh, useful in terms of tapering over, you know, moments of pain. But if you're, if your business model, like a lot of these zombie companies just is either outdated or it's just not uh, a good idea, um, it's not profitable, then really by continuing to take on debt, just to pay your, your the interest on the debt you already have, um, you know you're you're just uh, delaying the inevitable. Not a right? very sustainable business model, no, in other no. words. <laughs> Secondly, the other reason um, that we refer to these as zombie companies is because as they continue to um, take on more debt or or um, accumulate more debt just to pay the interest on their existing debt, what they're actually doing is they're crowding out in the marketplace. They're crowding out other companies that would be more profitable. Sure. Um, because, you know, there's only so much capital to go around. And, uh, and so good, viable companies that would get started uh, don't have the opportunity to because the zombies that have already lost a lot of money continue to take up more and more of the available capital just sure. to stay in business. Sure. So, so, well, let's look at a couple of the companies that are sucking the, the blood out of the economy, so to speak. Uh, one being Peloton, one that you've probably heard about, you know, over the last year, everybody's getting the bike that has the iPad attached to it. Apparently that's not um, a, a genius idea after all. Sure. <laughs> there, there could be use for it um, in the future, but not at the levels that you're seeing uh, today, especially when everybody got locked down in their homes and, you know, everybody thought, well, everybody's going to get one of these. Yeah. Looking at their net income today, negative $2.8 billion. And that, that trend is, is continuing, too, for them. Uh, moving on, AMC, a movie theater company, a movie production company, their net income of negative $1.2 billion as the end of, as, at the end of last year. Uh, 2020, you want to take a guess at what it was? $4.59 billion in losses, just in their net income. Not and a lot of people going to see movies in the middle of the pandemic. I, I guess not. <laughs> Carvana, another great example. Online uh, car shopping, essentially. Good idea. However, uh, you've seen net income of negative $135 million, um, and it's been negative every year since 2017. 
Uh, and then lastly, uh, one of the meme stocks along with AMC was GameStop. Another company circling the drain uh, had a net income of negative three hundred eighty-one million, and again, negative over the last three years. So, what a lot of these companies have in common is, you know, maybe their service or the good that they produce is outdated, or uh, the, the ideas that they've come up with aren't productive, aren't what people are demanding these days. Yet they've been able to survive on cheap, cheap debt. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, two prime examples just of the ones you listed there are AMC and GameStop, right? So it used to be that people, if they wanted a night out, they would go see a movie at a movie theater. Well, obviously, the, the you know, the lockdowns and the pandemic didn't do um, a whole lot for that. But even before that, you had the, uh, you know, the innovation of, of online streaming. And now you have a lot of movies that are coming straight to the streaming products. People have these massive 70, 80, 90 inch TVs in their home. Uh, you know, why spend 15 bucks to go to a movie when you can get it at home? Right. So, oh, and uh, if you have kids, $100 in candy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and GameStop's very similar. GameStop had a great uh, business model maybe 15 years ago, but as online gaming has, has come on, now you have a lot of these game consoles but you know kids when they want to get a new game they're not going down to GameStop to buy a game they're just downloading it right in 20 minutes they can start playing it right right so, or guess what if i want that physical copy i'm going to order it online probably through amazon that's right yeah exactly <laughs> so uh you know it, these are just these are outdated business models and as we were talking about you know the the way these companies oftentimes are able to stay in business is just because of lower interest rates are able to get cheap debt and uh, and sometimes the lenders are so far into the game at that point that they don't want to give up. They just keep hoping that um, you right. know, it's going to turn around. Right, right. So. Well, and according to a, a Federal Reserve paper uh, that was released back in July of 2021, it's believed that actually about 10% of public companies and about 5% of the private marketplace are, in fact, among the walking dead. <laughs> yeah, that's a... Um... It may not seem like a, a large percentage to to uh, some people, but you know that's and that a, number could actually be even a little bit low. Yeah, exactly. Um, in fact, you know, based on our uh, um, appreciation for the Federal Reserve, we might say that it, it's you know it's probably <laughs> almost guaranteed to be low. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it may not seem like a ton. You know, say one out of ten companies is Walking Dead. But if you think about that, um, these are companies that, as we said, are not actually creating value for consumers. They're actually um, not only losing value to the lenders and the investors that have put into the company, but they're actually crowding out potential for new companies that would add value to consumers. And so they're they're essentially a, a, a cancer to the economy. And when right. you're talking about even if it's 10%, you said of public companies, make sure people understand those are publicly traded companies. So companies you'd see on the on the stock exchange, um, you know, ones that we would well know. And then roughly maybe 5% of private companies that maybe more regional or local businesses. But the point is, um, you know, that's, that's a huge number of companies. And I would say, you're right, that may be low. We actually have another report from the BIS, which is the Bank for International Settlements. It's sort of like a, an international federal reserve. Um, and, uh, and they had, um, they, they have an estimate, uh, from 2017. So it's four or five years old, but they, they obviously do a lot more, um, deep dive into not just the u.s corporate landscape but really the the global landscape and uh, and they just updated this uh paper earlier this year um but uh but it's showing that you know approximately they they believe approximately 17 percent of publicly traded companies globally 
are zombie companies. So now you're looking at closer to maybe one out of five firms being uh, just unprofitable, capital-consuming, flesh-eating, uh, you know, losers. Right. And, uh, you know, that that obviously, um, that's all data that we had prior to this massive spike in interest rates, right. which, as we've, you know, we'll talk about, is, is just going to make this this much worse. Right. So. Well, now it's kind of to my next point, you know, what, what has led to the existence of these? Because as you just mentioned, a lot of this data that we just talked about came out back in 2021, 2017, prior to interest rates completely shooting through the roof so what's led to them being able to stay alive for as long as they have well i mean i think um you know fundamentally it is about the ability of of these corporations to um to finance their uh their operations at low cost and so when you have central banks when you have um the banking system as a whole not just in the u.s but kind of the global banking system willing and able to extend credit um, you know, you have an increase in money, what that does historically. And, and, uh, you know, if you increase, so if, if the interest rate is considered the price of time and it's going to be based on the supply and demand of money, if all of a sudden you have a massive increase in the supply of money, that tends to lower the cost of money or, or the, the price of time. And so right. when you have lower interest rates, it allows a lot of these companies not only to come into uh, business, you have a lot more companies that probably wouldn't have gotten started, but people, because they're so cheap to lend them money, are willing to take more risks, right? And then you also have companies that are already in business that are able to continue to survive um, right. that really should have been forced to close or re recapitalize. Right, already. right. So. And then uh, another factor over the last, um, you know, two to three years that's really uh, led to their continuance uh, amongst us is the, the meme stock mania. As we mentioned, you know, AMC, GameStop. Now you have, you know, the, this government that printed tons and, you know, trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. They locked everybody down in their house. Everybody opened up their, you know, Robinhood trading accounts <laughs> and actively just poured money into these, you know, companies because, well, what else was I going to do, right? So yeah. you had that aspect as well. So not only a cheap borrowing cost, but now you have all these people who just have all this money and say, hey, I'm going to ride the wave up too. Yeah, and so what we've seen with some of these, like GameStop and others, AMC was similar, was when you have these massive uh, short squeezes, when you have a massive amount of, uh, you know, Reddit crowd jumping into these stocks and driving their stock prices, um, you know, way higher than they ought to have been, Um what you've seen is some of the the major stockholders of these companies are able to sell their shares um, and recapitalize the company by um, you know liquidating these much more valuable equity positions, uh, taking out new loans uh, right. at at lower interest rates at least until now. Right. right, and uh, and so now what we've seen so far over the last six to eight months is this massive spike in interest rates across the board. Obviously, the Federal Reserve is uh, quote unquote trying to uh, you know fight inflation. Right. Um, but they're doing so by raising the short end of the yield curve. Obviously, that's going to put pressure on the back end of the yield curve, these longer dated uh, treasuries. And so, you know, I guess the question is, so what's going to finally cause the, you know, the the, uh, the head of these zombies to, uh, you know, get hit between the eyes and, and uh, put an end to them? Um, you know, we tend to think that this massive rise in interest rates over the last six to eight months may may do that to a lot of these companies, assuming interest rates don't drop back down to zero in a short order. Um, and, and we do tend to think that there's a good chance interest rates could could decline significantly over the next six to 12 months. But even if that's the case, a lot of these companies weren't viable at one percent. Uh, they're certainly not viable at three or four percent 
uh, interest, you know, right. as, that we're dealing with today. Right. And uh, a lot of these companies are going to have to refinance. Um, you know, a lot of them, they take out short-term debt at one, two, three-year periods. So yeah. um, if these interest rates remain elevated for six months or 12 months, um, you know, there's, I would imagine we could, we could have a wave of foreclosures. Right. Right. And I think there's an argument out there that, well, if, you know, they've survived on these interest rates for so long, um, and they're already up to, you know, seven, well, I guess borrowing costs could actually be a lot higher, you know, compared to like a 30 year mortgage at seven borrowing costs would be 10, 12, 13%. Exactly. Um, as you just mentioned though, uh, they're, they take on the shorter term, you know, loan. So two to three years, we may not have even, even seen the effect of these two to three year loans that are, you know, at five, 6% take effect yet. Once those things roll over and they have to try to refinance at 13, 14, 15%, look out below. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, when, and when we're looking at a, you know, potentially the BIS is estimating 17% of global companies are, are zombies. Um, that was at, you know, 1% interest, right. which for zombie companies, are going to pay quite a bit higher interest than that. Right. But as you said a minute ago, if that all of a sudden goes from eight or 9%, they're paying to 15% because of these increased rates. Uh, we may not be looking at one in five companies that are zombies. Right. You know, we may be looking at considerably more. Right. Right. So, so let's paint a picture then, you know, how, how do we put a positive spin on this? What does this look like when the walking dead amongst us finally drop down to the ground, go six feet under, and we no longer have them walking around. What does that look like for the economy? Yeah, and and I think as we've talked about in prior podcasts, that the initial experience of that uh, liquidation of the foreclosures would be probably painful. There are certain people, everybody will know certain people that may lose their jobs because their company was dependent upon these zombie companies, or maybe their company was one of these zombie companies. You would have a reallocation of, of capital in the production structure of the economy. And so there will be foreclosures, there will be bankruptcies. But what people need to recognize is that when you have that, that I would say, cleansing period take place on the other side of that, right, uh, is when you have all these zombie companies gone, or at least far fewer are present, um, and the available capital at that point can then be deployed into healthier companies that are likely to add value to our lives and not take right, them away. Right. And I think a great example of this that a lot of people are going to understand, uh, you know, that went from destruction to production was the existence of Blockbuster and then the demise of Blockbuster, which ended up leading to, you know, Netflix having a DVD subscription. And then from there, it went from Netflix streaming and then to all the different streaming options we have today. Yeah, if you were a shareholder of Blockbuster at the time, that must have been pretty painful for you. But you can obviously see where it ends up leading to because, as you're mentioning, that reallocation of capital ends up going to more productive and uh, and companies that are going to have the demand for their services and goods. Yeah, yeah, and people, I don't think anybody today would, would wish that they could, uh, you know, um, close down all the streaming services and go back to uh, <laughs> a blockbuster right. stores, right? Um, but at the time, it certainly didn't feel good for um, for a lot of the rental stores out there, local rental stores, the blockbusters of the world. Uh, Hollywood Video is another right. one, right? Um, so yeah, there was some certain pain, um, but on the other side of that, you actually see positive economic growth and, and benefit to, sure. to everyone, to, sure. most importantly to the consumer. Right, right. Well, I do want to end this episode with a very uh, important and very insightful quote that came from uh, Benjamin Graham back in 1949. And this, uh, as you listen to this quote, 
you're going to see that it is very relatable to, to today's world and economy. The distinction between investment and speculation in common stocks has always been a useful one, and its disappearance is cause for concern. We have often said that Wall Street as an institution would be well advised to reinstate this distinction and to emphasize it in all its dealings with the public. Otherwise, the stock exchanges may someday be blamed for heavy speculative losses, which those who suffered them had not been properly warned against. I mean, if that isn't relevant to to today, I don't know what is. Yeah, and I think um, Graham's quote is especially pertinent today, as you said, just because um, we're in the ma- we're in the midst of a massive speculative bubble um, where the line between investing in profitable companies and speculating in dead zombie companies has been blurred. So, you know, with that, consider yourself warned. And that does it for another episode of Breaking Bad Advice. As always, you can find this episode along with the latest newsletters and blogs on planfinancial.com. Until next time, stay safe, stay rational.